And we are live. On this episode of the podcast, we are joined by former Major League Soccer player, former coach for Jersey Express in the PDL, former assistant coach at St. John's University, current assistant coach at Seton Hall University in New Jersey, Jeff Mateo. How we doing, brother? We're good, my man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I was just rem- I was just reminiscing about that PDL team, or now what's called USL League Two, as you know, a summer league primarily for college players to utilize in the summer to stay sharp while they're out of school during those three months. But uh, we had a team unlike many others. A lot of those teams, those rosters, are made up of college guys from all over the country, especially the good ones like Michigan Bucks. Uh, who we played in the semifinals that year, but the roster we had was much different uh, than many PDL clubs. It was very diverse, right? Along with the college guys we had, like myself, Matt Mahoney, who's now with Sacramento Republic. We had guys who were done with school, just looking to play after work, guys who had been out of school a long time, like Chris Karch, and then uh, all the way down to a young kid like Fabio de Souza, who ended up signing with... uh, Penn FC, who was 16 or 17 at the time. Let's go through some of those names to bring back the memories. Yeah, exactly. Fabio was 16, uh, Karchi, and then we had Tommy McNamara. We had Brian Martinez, the Seton Hall alum. Yep. Um, Matt Turner, the starting goalie for New England Revs now. Yep. With, uh, you know, Bojek and, and uh, Alex Kapp as the other two keepers. Um yeah, we, we were... We Chris were Lebo. That's fine. <laughs> Don't leave Chris Lebo. He may get offended. Um, That's right. Because that was after he was done playing. So, yeah. And then somebody like Connor Fitzpatrick as well. Both guys. Is Connor still working with MLS? Do you know? He is? Yeah. Yeah, both were in MLS. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How did you put that team together? Was it even, you know, something you anticipated to have a season like we did did you reach out to guys or were guys reaching out to to you or was it just like who was around how'd that get put together yeah exactly i mean uh, i think we just um pretty much guys were around some guys like i know tommy was trying to get back in uh back playing again and healthy after after he did his knee and he was hanging out um and then the next year he was drafted by uh Picked up by LA, um, Chivas, yeah. Chivas. Um, yeah. You know, Matt Turner was a kid out of Fairfield. He just wanted to find a team where he could train. Yeah, um, yeah, it was good. It was yeah, fun. That, was, that summer was great fun. We had a lot of fun, but we also won a lot of games going to the national semifinal. Um, it's up there with one of my best soccer memories. So. Um, Something I wanted to get into and get your thoughts on before we get started since it's relative in the news and fairly big news is the announcement that U.S. Soccer just made regarding the Development Academy and how they're terminating the league due to financial circumstances, uh, which is surprising, but I think is something that's been talked about for a while now and uh, MLS clubs looking to do their own thing. How do you think the termination of the league will affect you in the college game with the recruiting process? Do you think there'll be anything significantly different in how you go about things? I don't think it's going to be such a huge difference. Um, I think it's just going to be more now run by MLS and MLS clubs, and and then uh, they're trying to you know just obviously um, 
you know, make it, make it towards geared towards the clubs and those guys. So I think, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's really going to change drastically. Uh, I think they're still planning on doing the events the same time. I just think, uh, it might, I don't know how it's all going to, uh, really be affected, but I just think, I think it's just going to be more MLS based for those clubs and those youth clubs. And I, um, for the first year, I've heard uh, that the other clubs are pretty much going to be in it, except the ones that want to be out. Right. So that could potentially even help college coaches, right? Because if MLS is doing their own thing with academies, and a lot of those guys are just trying to to you know sign with the first team, then maybe it's not even worth spinning wheels with those kids, and you can focus on you know kids that are in another league, whatever the the league is gonna gonna be, and just focus on that group rather than I know a lot of college coaches get spin a lot of wheels with MLS guys and then last minute they sign with either the first team or a USL team and then it's like you put in all that time um, and it ultimately gets wasted at the end for, for some guys yeah I, I agree I th- I, the only thing is it's just it's American I, I just feel like we're we're always gonna college is just part of our culture going to university is I part agree, of our culture yeah. even some of the players that day for a semester and then go at least they start their college um sometimes the timing just works because the draft is in january kids can still do that semester from you know september to december still be eligible for that draft you know because then they're going to get picked up there i do think that this will help because i heard they're going to regionalize things a little bit more which will be a lot more convenient than you know, doing a one big showcase, national sure. showcases, yeah. and national um, tournaments or whatever competitions there. So I think it'll help with regionalizing the the recruiting part for us. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's I think it's good, and I think it's going to help us move forward and developing players to play at the pro level. And then if it doesn't work, obviously, I think college is a is still going to be a viable step for everyone if they want to and kids develop at just different times right. so no i think i think that i know the college route and you know as well too that the college route is the the viable option for you know 99 percent of the population anyway of kids playing at, at that age so yeah the, the point of regionalizing it makes it so much easier and is the way it, i feel like it should be especially here in the northeast with how many clubs there are and the how big the population is it probably gets a little more tricky in the the midwest but um it should have been regionalized to start with and, and just focus on those clubs you got clubs from new jersey that haven't played other clubs in new jersey yet they're flying out to texas to play teams from texas like just focus on the uh, the groups uh, in your area the teams in your area so no i think it'll help drastically and the, the travel is the biggest thing you travel for three days and uh and you get to play two games it's not even worth it financially when you can get such a amount of quality games in, in your area so um so that bring to, to bring this up to tr- transition then a little bit with how many americans are still looking you bring up the culture part which 100 percent agree with there's been a shift probably what the last decade of a ton of international kids coming in to the college game from from all over the world i i know it started to shift when i was in in school um you know early 2010 11 12 um but it seems like primarily the rosters are, are now international why and how did that shift begin do you can you 
point something out or, or pinpoint something as to when that transition started? Yeah, I think it's it's always been around. I just think like certain schools have done it differently for years. Um, you know, obviously being around New York, it's very diverse, and there's players who I guess you would consider internationals, but they've been over in America for a sure. while. Um, but I think the just the opportunities, the agencies that have developed in all these countries right, that are right. introducing football, soccer to to these to these players overseas um i think it's the only place in the world where you can actually still play football at a high level and then get an education sure, to yeah. be a uh, you know a college, get a college degree which is very unique i mean america is still one of the most um you know ideal places to live people want to come um, so I think there's a lot of reasons why, um, but I, I think most of it comes down to now just the agencies, the knowledge that the uh, so was it the, was it brought on? Had. Sorry, was it brought on more by the college coaches, or do you think it was brought over by, like you said, these agencies overseas that identified the market and said, okay, you know, this kid's 17, 18, he's getting released from whatever club in Europe. He needs four more years, you know, maybe needs some more time to, to develop and and showcase himself maybe uh, in a different uh, environment. And then that'll allow him to, to go pro. You think it was more so the direction of agencies and players from overseas looking for the opportunities or college coaches that are going that route because they know there's also a lot of talent out there? Um, I think it's a, it's a little bit of everything. And I think like if you look at the agencies, they're started by all player Former, student yeah. that were here right you got the ricardo villar starting the two svs with uh silver like those are some of the original guys um mm-hmm. you know and and some of the agencies now in europe they're all players that played here and yeah. they've gone back because they see it's uh, it's it's obviously something they can monetize mm-hmm. and make some money off of so uh, um i feel like they're started by a lot of ex-players here division one division two division three juco guys sure. like it doesn't even matter they're just there's just such a big market and i think that they're making it available to all these to all these players overseas and just giving them a second chance like this is a second chance or this is even a better opportunity i mean right. i had a kid at st john's that was in the leon um you know academy and he was the captain of the team probably could have easily signed maybe not for leon but would have signed second third division france but his parents are very well educated and they wanted him to get a degree because they understand that, you know, him making a thousand euros a month over there only gets you so far. And, you know, and how he could still go back there and play. And he was 22 when he graduated and he had his degree. He could go whichever way he wants. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the big piece of it, right? Where you can get kids that get the opportunity to sign for a thousand dollars a month but you get an education potentially with with scholarship for for 40 50 60 thousand dollars depending on the university and you get that as your your salary and you take away a, a degree uh or sorry you get it for four years um potentially um and then get a degree at the end of it so comparing those players uh, internationals to americans i've experienced it you've experienced it probably for you've definitely experienced it for a longer time than i have being at the collegiate level as a as a assistant coach for so long how how does it really compare the success how would you look at it do you 
favor uh, one direction or another, domestic or international, or what are college coaches talking about? I know it's a case to case, obviously, but um, based on your experience, a lot of leaning towards domestic, international, depending on the year, um, how do you go about the recruiting with that? We can talk about all the different, you know, how you go about the recruiting and the process. Um, how does it go when, when you start the, the year for that, you know, next class? So let's look at whatever, 2021. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think you, like with everything, you just want to balance. Um, I think players from different areas bring different, uh, different talents, different aspects of their game. Um, you know, certain countries are just known to be more technical, more skillful, that's just the culture that they have and certain countries are are known to you know be more rigid more tactical you know you get to scandinavia and it's the difference isn't that big technically with a lot of those guys but they're sure. very fit they're very organized they're very simple right that's just the way that they're brought up you go to spain you go to france and you got these special players these athletic guys and you know and it just every every culture is different um, and then I, I think America has some um, some absolutely amazing youth players, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's shown um, with guys going overseas now playing at the highest level at 16, right. 17 yeah. years old, 18 years old. Um, and uh, you know, also Americans know the college system a, a bit. I think it's always a it's always there's always a learning curve for internationals coming over here. It's a different game, the college right. game. You know, you're playing two, three games a week. Your preseason 17 days before you start season. Um, you know, it, it's it's just very – everything's pretty compact. It's different. Um, and I do think there is a learning curve. Um, so you have to always take that into consideration. You might have a very talented player, but if he can't adjust to the speed of the game, the athleticism of the game, you know, the, the turnover from, you know, a Friday-Sunday tournament, like it's going to – they're going to struggle no matter what. Um, right where American kids are used to that and, and are, are, you know, bred to do that. Um, so I, I think, uh, I think it's, it's a bit of a balance. I do. And I think if you have that balance, you can really, you know, really do well. Like Georgetown won national championship. They got a bit of a balance of a few internationals and mostly American, you know, local academy players they're not going all over the place to try and get players even though they probably could they they're trying to get the right guys for their system mm-hmm. which i think is a is a big thing everybody needs to develop a culture develop a system that they want to play and get the players that fit there and i think that's what we're trying to do over where we are now is, is really get that culture back that uh that was that's that that would you know that they want uh, that we need to to win some games sure so you, let, let's talk about the the, the recruiting process then. Um, with you know, now now you're at that Seton Hall, um, and, and schools vary, you know, based on on what their needs are, right? Based on their location, based on the background, etc. Um, how does Seton Hall vary from from your time at at St. John's? How have you changed things up? What's the re- recruiting process like? Are you trying to to stay? more local um how does the year pan out because you need to balance both the international scene and the the domestic scene so i know uh, going to all these tournaments there there are guys that every other weekend you're going this place you're going that place and and managing it how do you you know track one 
one student athlete in high school, um, if he's in international versus domestic, how many times you need to watch him, how many, like, obviously there are so many variables that, that go into it, but, um, you know, when, when do you really start looking at a, a kid? Is it sophomore year, junior year? Um, you could just talk about the, the process of, of how it goes based case to case, you know, for domestic, international timeline mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah, the good thing about the domestic kids is you get to see them a lot more, obviously, because of location um, and especially the local kids. Um, You know, you're pretty much identifying them freshman, sophomore year because you're seeing them. If they're very good, they're playing up and playing against the juniors and seniors that you're going to watch as well. Sure. Um, And it's good because you can have them on campus. You can meet them more. You get an idea of the attitude more than just the player. Um, and then you know the the recruiting process is is a bit grueling, especially for the especially for the player because you can start getting recruited, and you don't have to make a decision for three years. Yeah. But it's very very difficult because there are a lot of variables. A lot of universities are now very well funded, great facilities. So sure. it's obviously a matter of finding a fit for you and a, and a good uh, good balance between you and that staff as well as the university, the location. There's a lot that goes into it. Um, but at least the American kid has a bit of time to do it. Some some start off later, but for the most part, you're going to get a bit of time to take visits, to meet people, to meet coaches, to be seen, you know, four or five times at least um, beforehand. Then they can also go to these clinics, which I think are really good mm-hmm. because it's it's a day you spend a bit of you know spend a couple hours with the staff. You see how they coach. Um, they're obviously inexpensive compared to those, you know, $800 weekly camps or four day camps. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you could, you could get to a bunch of places for a few hundred bucks um, and be seen and be coached by university coaches and put through a session. Hopefully that's similar to what they will do during season. Um, as for internationals, it's tough. Um, there are certain programs that get over there all the time that spend weeks, that spend months. Um you know, on the road over there, they have connections. Either they're from there, or they've played there, or whatever it is. Um, there's showcases. The showcases are very tough because you're going to see a kid in an afternoon, and you're supposed to figure out if he's going to play for your university for four years. So that so based that was, on a scrimmage game. Yeah. So that was going to be going to be one of my questions, right? Because you take this trip over, you may think you see something, right? Some guys have better eyes than other, um, and have the experience, mm-hmm. but. You know, you mentioned you watch a, a domestic kid because you have the access to them, you know, for for whatever, five, six, seven games because it's it's easier, obviously, with being in that locale. But then you take this trip and you think you see something and you see him once and then you got to make a decision. What's that? What is that like? Because that's a super serious decision you're about to make and potentially put a lot of money on the line. Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, it's, it's tough. You have to. Uh... You have to really, and is it really worth it? I guess too is another piece of it. Is it really worth oh, yeah. it to go overseas? Yeah, yeah. majority right. of the kids right. work out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that's the thing. I mean, I would say if you're good, you're getting like you're getting it right seventy seventy five percent of the time. You're getting it right on those yeah. showcase things. But I mean, there's there's times when you think a kid's going to come in and really do well, and I'm sure you were when you were on Akron, you probably. You know, this kid's going to be the part. And then sure. next yeah. thing you know, you're just not good enough. Um, mm-hmm. And, 
you know, it's it's tough. That is, uh, I mean, that is the toughest part because you don't know them as a person. You don't really know what they're about. Yeah, you can kind of read them in a conversation that you sit down and have with them or a few phone calls. Um, but when you got five, six schools fighting over one kid, you have to, you know, you have to kind of push yeah. and maybe spend a bit more money than you think you want to, and hopefully it's worth it. It's, it's so it's then how expensive. how do you justify that then? Like that's what I, maybe that's the best the best question that like or thing that I'm trying to figure out where you get to know these kids they get to come to your camp I'm saying the domestic kids you see them over and over again um, and obviously there are those talents that do pan out but there are also a lot yeah. of gambles so how did you justify when you first started you know was there a case where you're like okay this kid is gonna be the one and he didn't pan out and it's like shit what did I get myself into with this one? Oh, that's happened a few <laughs> times I mean uh I'm not going to name names, but yeah, yeah no, it's, it's definitely happened um, where I've been over to places and I've seen kids play and they've done unbelievable. And I'm like, wow, this kid's going to be amazing. It's a great kid. Um, whether they're a bit soft, have too many injuries or just don't pan out mm -hmm. or, just, you know, they had that day. I mean, there's players that yeah. just have that day out there. And, of course. I mean, We've all had you know, it. That's why you yeah. took me on the PDL team. <laughs> you did have one day, yeah. <laughs> It's a good thing you had that day. Yeah. I would in the field. Um, yeah, no, yeah, that's that's it's tough, and it's tough to justify it. And you got to look for little things, and you have forty-five minutes of football probably that you can see, and it, it's crazy. Uh, but you know, and then like you said, some schools are eighty, eighty-five thousand dollars. Like right. schools range from like forty to like eighty grand now. So eighty thousand dollars over four years is three hundred twenty thousand dollars. Like that's yeah. a lot of money to give someone. Yeah. Well, I said those kids that, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old, no matter where you are in Europe, no matter where you are in the world, you're not getting that to play for whatever club over four years. Very, no. very rarely. It, There's like 0.001% of players that are going to make that much money. Yeah. Um, and there's, they're pretty much, they're pretty much going to, everyone knows they're going to make that much money at like 12 to 14 years old. Like, yeah. they're so good. Destined for so, it. Yeah. That yeah. next level of player, yes, eventually they could if they continue to develop by the time they're like 23, 24 is when they get that big contract. But yeah, between the age of 18 and 21, that's where you earn your contract. Yeah, yeah. No, I, that's one thing that I that I uh, said before that I think people have probably rolled their eyes with where it's like at 15, 16, 17, there are so many players that people are like, okay, this is going to be the one, this is going to be the one. And, and they don't pan out. You know, you think of like somebody like Boyan Kirkic who they're like, oh yeah, this is gonna be the next Messi. I mean, even with Messi, you don't really know until 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, even with Ronaldo. Um, and it's like, no, we knew. And anybody that says that is, what do you think? Full of shit, I think so at least. You know what I mean? Where it's like, they could have easily gone a different, different way in their path where at 17, 18, 19, 20, something could have happened and you know, they go down the route of somebody like, I brought up Boyan Kirkus, there are a ton of those players where it was like, okay, this is gonna be the one at La Masia, whatever youth academy, and it doesn't pan out. So, um, yeah, yeah. go ahead, talk to so you can say something about that if you needed to. I know we're on a little delay. Yeah, no, no, I agree. Even people, people said Messi wasn't gonna be that good. He was too small, he was too this, he was too that. Right. You know, like, there's always gonna be, it's it's tough. I mean, you just don't know, and who knows what situation they mm -hmm. get themselves into, what club they're at. You know, like the environment. Forlan does yeah. amazing. 
this doesn't yeah you know like it just it's luck it's finding the right coach finding the right system just being comfortable you need luck mm-hmm. uh, of course you know you need you need the ball to go in you can do anything you want and then it just doesn't go in like who knows but yeah there's there's just uh, it's so tough to tell so go through what you go through then um when you're overseas then and you see that international that you think is going to be you know huge piece of the program for that whatever x amount of years um and then how do you justify what do you need to see what are those things that click is there like do you go to ones that maybe you could see the kid over a couple of days um has there been any kids where you took a you know shot and saw them for whatever a half and you're like okay this is the one um and it panned out you can talk about him if you want so we're not talking about anybody bad that where it was like all right i saw this kid i thought he was the one and he was absolute trash when he came over over uh to the university <laughs> oh yeah i mean uh, I, we have our center starting center bag is seen all i mean i saw him play in pretty much like a, a park game and Jeez. I was like, you know, there was little things about him that I loved. Like, it wasn't like he was a great soccer player, but he was a, he was strong. He was, you know, he, he just had the right attitude a bit. I was like, ah, oh, man. And, you know, I was talking to Trey, our head coach, and I was like, I don't know if he's going to be the one, but he just has certain things that I just feel like you don't teach, and it's tough yeah. to teach. And, you know, a kid ends up starting every single game, and he wasn't going to start the first game. He barely started the first game because our other center back, like, something happened where he just ends up starting and he never lost the job. And now he's our captain as a sophomore. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, saw him play in a, in a 77 half field. Like he was training with a, with a local club. It wasn't even, he wasn't even on the team. Right. So like, like who, just what was that level? Who was, who else was on that team? Like amateurs or like guys that just came and played? Yeah. Like if you were yeah. down in yeah. Ironbound yeah. and, yeah, we're third division, so it was similar to like a PDL. Like okay. it was third okay. division, Israeli soccer. Like some of the guys were very talented, sure. but yeah, I mean, it was similar to like a, a college level, which was good, good to yeah. see it at. But yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a difficult call to be like, yeah, we need to invest money in this player because he's going to make us better. Yeah. Um, just you know, and then after that, meeting with coaches, talking to everyone, trying to get as many opinions as possible. And, uh, you know, where the kid was in the army for a couple of years, so he wasn't ah, able to play. Right. So we're seeing games from him two years ago, and uh, I mean, but it panned out. He's got the right attitude, and I feel like I feel like you know, players that are just work hard have that right attitude. No matter, you know, if they're pretty good, they're still going to be all right. Yeah, like they're still going to be all right. It's the ones, the special players, are the ones you usually take the gamble on and don't do too well on. Yeah, because. Yeah. Uh, Worth. They, they're, they're relying on the moments and it's not that yeah. easy yeah now you that's a that's a another point that you bring up with uh references as well you say you talk to as many people as you can about it and then you know make the decision that's a big piece of it that i think is underestimated where a lot of people want to go with their ego right instead of setting their ego aside and have those conversations um which i know it, it, it could be mm-hmm. tough sometimes but like those reference points how do you deal with those and manage manage those reaching out to people and making sure that it's the the right one the right reference it's a correct reference yeah i mean i think the best recruiters in the country here are the ones that have the most contacts the ones that have the most people that they trust you know um and to be honest like i i like talking to to coaches or 
or a whatever they're not really agents handlers whatever you want to call them sure. that uh that are pretty honest that are more telling you not trying to sell you the player more right. telling you hey listen this is what he needs to do to become a really to become a pro mm-hmm. you know uh so i feel like like getting the right information from the right kind of person is huge so go guys you trust sure. um you know guys that you've dealt with before in evaluating players knowing what you're looking for i mean i know i'm looking for something totally different than other coaches i yeah, know, you so know subjective. we're trying to yeah. do it that way so you're trying to find certain characteristics that are going to fit and make your group better um so i think being able to talk to people and i mean i still think going back to the character the character of the kid is so big i mm-hmm. feel like you know you don't want a, a player that's coming over here being like this is a step down when they get here and then they're like oh crap this is really good right um you know because they have the wrong attitude they didn't do the right stuff we want kids that feel like this is an opportunity again even like a second chance or Mm -hmm. something that they want to go out and prove or you know they this is some some kids this is their dream to come over here and play right like they've been about it so i think uh i think getting to know the kid via these references about the personality you could tell a lot on a kid's grades if a kid has good grades generally you know they're they're very diligent they're very concentrated especially international players because you know how it is they're either football players over there or they're students sure yeah, uh, yeah. and that's what happens like even that kid from leon was told he had to either take a contract or he had to leave the team and go to school and i mean his mother's like the headmaster of school but she's like you're you're not going to stay here and play for this money you're going to go to college Mm. so uh i think uh i think those things are are huge when you see the the little details that that show the character of the player yeah no it's a it's a big piece of it now when you get these kids into school finally right whether it's domestic or international um and you think they're going to be something that that you saw in the recruiting process and and they come in and uh, there's obviously always a, a transition period, or for most at least, there's a there's usually a transition period where a player struggles. And um, you know, I I'm going to bring up a, a personal story with uh, you're familiar with the kid Boti. We had this uh, Ghanaian kid uh, at St. Benedict's who came over, um, and he really struggled his first few weeks and few months. Um, and that could have been real easy to, you know, put the kid off and say, look, he can't do it. Uh, it's too much. The transition, whether it's culture or uh, whatever, style of play, environment, um, but stuck with it and obviously panned out to be a really good player, struggled with his academics towards the, the end of his high school career and things didn't pan out for him uh, for college and ended up having to, to go back home. But he ended up, I think, with with two high school national championships, back-to-back Dallas Cups, uh, a championship and, and a finalist, um, and had a ton of success and was was very good. Now you get these kids in and there's going to be that that struggle potentially in the in, throughout preseason and the season's already super short to begin with. So managing that so you don't, you know, completely write a kid off, but you don't, you know, I guess um, shut the door and, you know, whatever. How do you manage that when they get in and it's like preseason they're terrible it's like what i get myself into with this kid and then you get through you know that first couple of weeks at what time period do you do what do you do to try and ease that transition for for a lot of those kids so you try to try and make it work 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of uh, tools that you can utilize now. I mean, our academic center, our our student wellness center, like all that stuff now is 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 awesome. There's so much opportunity for these kids, um, and you know, it's our job to actually introduce them to it and to make sure that mm-hmm. you know, whatever they need, they can they can they can have to help them. Um, you know, the academic part is very tough, especially for a lot of these internationals, again, because they haven't done both. They right. haven't yeah. full-time student, full-time playing. Um, so it's a lot. Uh, managing time is a big thing. The American kids generally get it easier, um, but it's also college. I mean, I, I didn't do well my first semester. I know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, after you get out of that little rut and you figure things out, you get organized – um, it's it, you know it, it's it's a lot easier once you figure out how to manage your time. What are the important things? What do you put first? Um, you know, scheduling all that stuff is, is huge. Um, uh, the good thing is for you know like soccer with us is great because our preseason starts before classes do. Right, so it's good. You can just kind of get to know the guys, get to your feet a little wet. Um, you know, even if you're having some issues on the field, it's it, it's not going to really affect your class right away. Um, so you have those two three weeks of soccer only before before uh, before you have to start class. Um, you get to know a lot of people. It's nice to start university when you already have 35 friends. Yeah, yeah. Um, that much easier. easier. Yeah. Um, so I think for soccer, we're generally lucky. I know other sports is not as easy, especially spring sports, because you're coming in in the fall. You're just doing training, and then you're you're you know you're taking your full time classes, and some of these kids aren't, aren't haven't done it. Um, so, but yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of a uh, lot of tools and facilities that are now available for everyone. Yeah, um, but I think it takes us as, as coaches and as people that are helping out with these guys to make it known to them what's available as well yeah. uh, so that they use it. So like from a, from a staff standpoint, right? So like, for example, there's a kid that comes in as a freshman. I come in as a freshman at your program. I'm struggling. You think I'm going to be one of the, the top recruits um, and I'm struggling. And uh, from on a field standpoint, my academics are fine. Um, and it's like, how, who's maybe a player uh, that's come in really struggled. How'd you get them over that hump? And who's somebody that was even a late bloomer in college? They've gone through their freshman and sophomore year and then have had success, you know, come their junior and senior year because of whatever reasons. What did you guys maybe change as a staff or what did you change as a coach to get them over that hurdle or um, maybe have them settle in a little bit more, you know? Yeah, sometimes it's a comfort thing. Sometimes it's just about being patient. Um, you know, there's there's a reason why you recruited this player. Sometimes there's a reason why you invested money in this player. Mm-hmm. Um, but their comfort level isn't there, and that's uh, some of the reasons why guys transfer. Whether they're yeah. homesick or they just don't like the style, or you know, it just doesn't work. Sometimes the longer you're patient, um, the better it's going to be. I mean, you know, you ju- you just don't. It's just not going to happen right away. You're, I tell kids coming in that are American, I'm like, you're 17, 18 years old. We have a 23-year-old freshman. Right. I mean, this guy's going to be 27 when he graduates college. <laughs> like, uh, you know, imagine if you could take four years, go play somewhere, mature, yeah. and then come back and play in college. Imagine if you started college at 22, 23, how different your, your route would have been. I don't think I'd be uh, doing podcasts. 
um, yeah, so I think I think there's just a lot that transitions and it, it, it's tough. Um, but once they figure it out, I feel like the longer you are at a place, so sometimes it's not easy that first year or two. But the longer you stay, the more you're gonna you're gonna earn time. You're gonna get time, and we had a you know, we we get players that play in their third, fourth, and fifth year because you can get that fifth year right. if you don't play your first year, and they just they just do well. Um, Jimmy Mulligan is like the best example mm. for me. I mean, he played at St. John's and recruited him. Thought he was a really good player. He was like Long Island Player of the Year. And to tell Jimmy that he was going to redshirt his freshman year, which he probably he could have played. He was definitely in our best 15, 16 guys. Sure. But just knowing that, Jimmy, listen, in your fifth year, you're going to be a big-time player. Right. If we didn't do that, I don't think Jimmy would have ever been a pro. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think he just matured so much in his last few years. And it took him a lot to get out of his own way a little bit. Um, and then he had a you know a pretty good playing career after college. He played yep. Cosmos. He played mm-hmm. different places, and you know now he's working with Red Bull too. But he's uh, he's a great example of a an American kid who was big time coming out of high school. Really, you know, was didn't do as well as he probably thought or wanted. And I definitely did. I know that he didn't do as well as he wanted to. Mm-hmm. But he battled through it. He got so mature. He was mentally tough and. By the time he was leaving, he was the captain. He was fifth-year guy that just was awesome. Yeah, well, you bring up two two good points that I that I want to touch on. One with the the international, going back to the international piece. A lot of those guys are older, right? With it, them being coming in as freshmen at 19, 20, 21 years old. How big of a role does that play because of the the physicality of the game and just getting them, you know, right away to to potentially jump into the lineup because of their maturity their physicality and those variables how big of a role does does that play because you bring up the, you can probably tie it together i'll try and tie it together as well with the american kids right i think the biggest regret that i have is not redshirting my freshman year because that year is such a big transition uh for any play even coming out of bennix and, and red bull academy and having those experiences and being around those players there's still a jump because of the then you're jumping into play with as a 17, 18 year old with 21, 22 year olds, which is manageable, but it's still a, a big jump. So does the international piece play into, okay, they're, they're 21, I can bring them in as a freshman and by the time they graduate, they're, they're 24, 25. Um, and then how do you manage the red shirt? I guess you can go into whatever direction you want to, to, to transition, but um, how easy and feasible do you, or how early do you identify with a, a domestic kid and say, look, maybe it's best to redshirt and how, what those conversations like, cause obviously a kid's eager to show themselves and they may not listen like, Oh, I want to, I'm going to play right now, but they don't see in the long run, like, okay, I may sit this freshman year or I may play, you know, 15 minutes at the end of the game, or I'll be a team captain. Like you, you mentioned with, with uh, Mulligan and being, being a big piece of, of his fifth year with, with the team. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's 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 a very delicate subject, especially because like you know you're you're at a Division One Big East school. Like guys that are coming to you are all conference, all state, all this, all that. Right? Sure. They've been told they're they're the best at what they do until getting to college. Um, and yes, you get internationals, and that's why you pay more. You pay for most of these internationals because you're getting a older, more experienced player. Mm-hmm. That would expect to come in and play right away. 
Um, the way I, I like to handle the redshirt thing is I don't like to tell anyone that they are redshirting because I feel you like don't. sometimes if you do tell a player, they'll take a foot off the gas pedal or they'll just not really mm-hmm. do it. But to put a kid in at the end of a game for seven minutes in his freshman year, you know, what is he really gaining from that? You know, yeah. some guys are playing three or four games, seven, ten minutes, and you lose an entire year. Right, um, right. That's all the time you lose to maybe start a Masters or, mm-hmm. um, you know, it all depends. Like Raf Diaz, you know, he, right. he ended up having to – got his fifth year because – and he had one class left. He wouldn't have graduated because he would have probably not taken that last class. But then we had one semester, so he took his one class, played his last semester, and it was great for him. Again, same thing. He's still playing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's delicate. It's tough because to have those conversations to say this is in your best interest mm-hmm. um, and it's going to be best for you, like that's a relationship that hopefully you've established with that player. Um, and I think that's what happened with Jimmy. Like he trusted us to – that it was the best thing for him. I, and I know for a fact that it was not easy for him to accept it, but I think he did just because he trusted that – you know, what was being said was the best interest for him because his friends were playing the last 10, 15 minutes of the games, right. even though Jimmy's like, I'm as good, if not better than these guys. Like, And then in the long run, Jimmy, you know, I'm sure if you ask him now, he'd be like, that was the best thing that I did was not playing that year instead of, you know, playing 100 minutes in 10 games for mm-hmm. no reason. Yeah. How, like, how, but yeah. Go go, no, you go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. No, I was going to say, how obviously more often than not, those conversations go south when you suggest to a kid, hey, maybe it's in your best interest to redshirt. Um, like I said, one of my big things, how, how could you potentially get over that hump uh, and have more conversations uh, be a positive one with redshirting, especially with domestic kids? Because like, like I said, I think my career could have been significantly different if you redshirt if I redshirt that first year you have that year to settle in and then you have that extra year on the back end um when you're instead of playing 15 minutes at the end of each game you're playing 90 minutes each game uh in your senior year and then you have that opportunity to get looked at what's what do you think is a a conversation that that's worth having because they want to do it with the the high school kids as well um because there are some kids and also like we said, everything's subjective. I may think, okay, that kid needs to, to redshirt his, his first year going into college, and you may say, no, he needs to play right away. Um, and then there's no going back once that game is played, right? Yeah. So, Yeah, it, it is t- It's so tough, and it is. And you got to use examples. And, you know, I've been coaching for a long time, so right. I have a lot of examples of guys that have done it and guys that haven't. Mm-hmm. And if you talk to guys that haven't, they do, most of them, regret not, not redshirting. Because there's the difference in the player that plays every minute of every game um, and the kid that's, you know, as a freshman, probably should just redshirt and just just learn and train and really get involved with understanding how the games work and just, just really taking a back seat. I love – I've had a few kids that have been able to graduate high school early and start in January. Right, that's a big piece. semester early, which is great. Also, taking a PG year uh, – taking your gap year. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I think everyone should take a gap year. It's great. Yeah, absolutely great. Take a couple classes. Like you could take six class, uh, six credits a semester, and not be full time. Mm-hmm. You could start your university that technically doesn't start your clock as long as you're not full time. After your first year, 
go play, go train. You can play U19s now. You can play yeah. whatever. Take that year. Learn. Mature. Maybe, you know, not be the best player out there. And, you know, and, and then you get an extra year. You're going to be 19 instead of 18 going into college. And that's a big difference. Mm-hmm. You just just a big difference yeah no i've seen it firsthand like with for example the kid celio kid henrique right they're they're 19 by the time they graduate high school um and they're that little bit more mature um and a little bit more physically developed heading into the college game because look if you can't do it at the college game you're not doing it at the pro game um so um no that's that's a great great point i i appreciate that that insight um the and hopefully the listeners do as well for for them um advice for guys uh going in and starting the the process uh there's i think a big myth where kids are under the impression they're just going to be seen you know start off i I right like uh, kids just think okay i'm going to be seen i don't need to reach out to anybody i'm going to this showcase i'm going to that showcase this and that and i'm going to be seen what advice do you give to let's start with with sophomores and and progress uh you know to junior year you don't even need to go into senior year since everything's usually wrapped up i think freshmen's a a little bit too early in jumping the gun what do you think yeah i mean my opinion yes for freshmen it's it's tough i mean i'm not really looking at freshmen at all i mean if there's a kid on a field and i'm like wow this kid's got something special and he turns out to be a freshman Mm -hmm. you know we'll put him down in there we can't write him can't do it really about it it's who knows how he's going to mature in the next two, three years anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sophomores. I feel like sophomores is a great time just to get started, just to get out there because we can't really reply anyway. But you right. can get to some clinics. You can get seen in front of people. You can. If somebody writes to you, though, you can go and watch the game and keep an eye on them. Yeah, monitor Yeah, them. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. And I think just having your name out there and – you know, if you're a sophomore, you're generally playing with juniors anyway. Like mm-hmm. people are going to be at the game, so if they if you wrote them, they're going to watch you. Yeah. No, they won't be able to talk to you, but they could talk to your coach. Mm-hmm. You know, they're still able to talk to their coach. Um, getting to clinics as sophomores is good. I mean, you're not allowed as much feedback, but you know, it's it's still good to get there to to just to get knowledgeable about things. Um, you know, and starting the process, seeing some of these universities like. Do you want to be near a city? Do you want to be in the suburbs? Do you want a right. big camp? Do you want small right. camps? Do you like football schools? Do you not like football schools? Like, what's important to you? Does it have a major uh, that's important to you? Like, they, these are all things you have to take into consideration. Sure. Um, you know, will you even get in is another big thing. You know, right. what are your grades? What is your expected SAT? Like, what is the average one for the school? Um, do the research. Do the research, right? A lot of kids yeah, don't do the research. Do a little work, and that's the time to do it. Um, and I mean, there are guys that yes, you will get seen, but there's a lot of players that you know. We have like six or seven guys on the team that we would have never seen unless they wrote us, and probably even more. Probably ten guys, right? Like the American kids that we go to these games and. You know, you want players that also want to go to your school. Right, like where, you know, right. It's a lot easier to recruit a player that wants to be there. And it's also a lot easier for a player to grow through a, a system. Um, say you're not going to play your first two years, you know. Like, mm-hmm. I have that conversation with a lot of these players. I'm like, I don't see you playing your first two years. I hope you prove me differently, and I hope you come in here and kill it and start. But 
if it doesn't work, do you still want to be here? You're still going to want to put in that work to get better that by years three, four, and five, you're contributing. Like, um, so I think starting off your sophomore year and getting out there is a big thing. Uh, it doesn't have to be too much. Like you don't have to overload it. And I wouldn't email a hundred coaches. I'd, I'd limit it to like 10 places that you think were, are a good fit. Go check out some schools. If you're going to play a team that's over by university, go by, like Mm -hmm. check out the facility. You can walk on universities. Your junior year is when you've really got to start to to get after it, and you know if and the now, schools that yeah. you really want to go to aren't looking at you, you got to make sure they come and see you, or you got to go to their clinic, or you got to mm. do something to make sure they see you. Um, you know that's when a lot of stuff gets done. In that junior year, pretty much you're getting seen, you're getting evaluated, and then you're getting either an offer of a roster spot or or yeah. not. But um, you know we're still picking guys up in their senior year. There's late bloomers. There's mm-hmm. guys that don't get seen you can write me 50 times and I just don't happen to be at those games because there's 8 million games going on every right. day right. so it's not like I'm trying to avoid you just can't get there yeah. uh, a lot of people so, reaching out everybody wants to get in like you said to school international domestic that's the that's the move everybody wants to live in the US and, and a lot of kids majority of kids are going to, to school still so you're fighting yeah. with those kids it's huge competition yeah so, and then, you know, your senior year, I mean, it's not over. Everyone's like, is it too late? No, it's never too late. I mean, there's always people that you pick up the last minute. Like, we just, uh, you know, we have a couple of American kids that we've signed. We just signed a kid out of Pennington Academy down oh, there okay. uh, literally yesterday. So, oh. you know, we've been watching them. We've been talking about it. And, uh, you know, in terms of roster spots to kids, his SAT scores are good. It's just a good fit. Mm-hmm. No, that's all all great insight. Before before we uh, wrap up, I want I want you to talk about your transition into coaching for, as a player. Why did you get into coaching? What was it like? Obviously, you you played at St. John's um, and then went back and had the opportunity to be an assistant coach. Why why go back into coaching? What what excited you, or, or what other opportunities did you have after playing? Um. I think it was just natural. It just felt natural. I mean, I've always was coaching when I was playing too. I was coaching youth teams. I was doing yeah. camps. I was doing this. And I enjoyed it. I enjoy the and I enjoy the age group. I feel like it's a very, it's a very influential. Mm-hmm. You can influence the 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 player a lot at that age because you know at that point technically they're pretty much as good as they're going to get. But you can teach them a lot of things about the game that they can hopefully you know implement on the field. You can guide them and have more an effect on their life I feel at that age mm-hmm. because they're they're more mature and they're just getting to that adult part um, I like the university aspect of it I think it's great um, oh. that you're getting the kid while he's in school you can help him get a job I mean the amount of players that I've gotten jobs for is just not just soccer stuff but mm-hmm. other jobs it's just yeah. it's awesome and uh, I really enjoy that part about it um, and it's cool because you you know you recruit a kid at 15 he ends up graduating at 22 but I'd say you're like wow I've known this guy for seven years you know his family I mm-hmm. mean it's just it's a it's a cool uh, it's like it's a very unique opportunity to coach at a university um, I love it and I, I love the players that I've been able to coach and all that stuff right do you have any aspirations to be a head coach what, what's your thing about that you've been an assistant coach for a long time you seem yeah, yeah. you seem uh pretty content with uh being an assistant why why continue to be an assistant and uh instead of looking for for head coaching jobs 
No, I mean, I've interviewed for a bunch, and uh, I'm not leaving New York area around here. I got, uh, you know, three little kids. I got craziness going on. I got a bunch of other stuff going on. So, you know, it would be be around the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area. Um, I've I've, I've definitely want to be a head coach. What's that? You definitely do want to be a head coach. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've, I've, uh, I've interviewed for jobs and... Um, you know, I, I want to go to a place where they take it seriously, though. I want to, yeah. uh, you know, I don't want to just take a job because it's a head coaching job. I've coached at, you know, two really good schools for right. soccer and a great yeah. conference, arguably, you know, top two conferences in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so soccer is very important. Academics are important. So I don't want to just take a head coaching job for the sake of taking a head coaching job. I, I like I like competing. Uh, I like winning. And, uh, you know, I, I like playing against really good teams and playing yeah. at a high level. So coaching at a high level, like, and I want to continue to do that. Mm-hmm. Now, I always wrap up the podcast with a fun soccer story, whatever soccer story you want to share, something to, to put out there uh, without being being too open unless you're, you're about that. But uh, one l- lasting soccer memory that you know you're never gonna forget. That's whether you're you you in college or, or as a pro or as a coach. What's the one soccer story that you can have the floor for the last uh, few minutes here? No, it makes fun of you a little bit, you know. When uh, when you when you came over to the to the Express and you were you were like, yeah, I play center back. I'm like, oh no, you're too slow. You're just gonna... <laughs> <laughs> then you ended up playing center back and you're doing really well. Yeah, that's because I had Sylvan next to me, just joysticking yeah. him around. It was easy to uh, just tell him, yeah, tell him where to go. Yeah, no, I mean, there's so many, so many experiences that uh, that I've had. I'm so grateful for all of them. But no, I mean, that one group that we had there in that year, that was so much fun. Yeah, that was a that was a what good year? time. You only got one, right? Uh, second half of I think my junior year, and then the full going into my my senior year was that was the year that was was really good. Losing yeah. to was that Michigan Bucks, I think, in the semifinals out there. Got to go out. Could we go Man United? We got to go Man United and Real Madrid there at uh, Michigan. I think yeah. it was the one of the largest largest crowds. So. Yeah, that was that was a fun little trip, even though uh, didn't pan out. Uh, obviously how we wanted to so um no i appreciate you you coming on jeff and sharing that that insight um enjoy the rest of your afternoon cheers buddy always a pleasure thanks man